Blog Talk Radio. Your friend, as always, Tazapah. 
Welcome to the show, y'all. I hope everybody is healthy. Everybody had a good weekend, a good Shabbat. Uh, I want to send shots out to the 12 tribes scattered worldwide, y'all. Uh, shout out to all my brothers and sisters who are professing themselves through biblical and historical proofs to be the people of the book. Yes, the Hebrew Israelites, y'all. want to send shouts out to our affiliated schools, the brothers here in San Antonio, under a war now, a war, <laughs> and under uh, the brother Shemshuan. Also, want to send shouts out to um, our brothers up in VA, under Kazakia and the crew up there. Shouts out to uh, Kwatazop down in H-Town. Shouts out to um, Zainala up in Rochester. Shouts out to our brothers and sisters in California, Canada, and Albuquerque. And shouts out to Kaukab down in Guatemala, y'all. So uh, if it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the show, man. Bible Talk uh, that is sponsored by um, our school, um, <laughs> I don't know what, what we call ourselves these days, Mashaba. Um, <laughs> since the name has been changed. <laughs> uh, our Hebrew, our Hebrew Israelite schools. Uh, can you drop that for me real quick? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, if it's your first time tuning in to the show, man, welcome. Other side. Yes, ma'am. One. Uh, us at Bible Talk, we uh, extensively use the Bible as well as other historical sources to bring out and edify the truth of the Bible and the historical content of the Bible, y'all. Uh, was a a fast weekend, man. Actually, a fast week. Um, let me get to it, y'all, before I get to running off at the mouth. Let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on the daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell on, man. Now let's get Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. And it reads, this is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the Most High brought you to it. He'll bring you through it. And you will come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Please believe me. That is factual information, y'all. All right, y'all. Uh. Before we dive into the topic titled Never Wax Pale, Christ and His Passion Part 2, uh, which I started last week, we're going to get a little news, a little current events, man. 
lots of things going on. Uh, heard that the storm did um, the tropical storm. I forgot what they was calling it. It actually hit landfall in California, I believe, yesterday, early yesterday. Uh, California is uh, flooded. Uh, parts of the desert places in California are flooded. Um, but it's supposed to break landfall here in Texas, in the Gulf Coast. Uh, they say this evening, touching parts of Corpus, uh, Harlingen, and I believe, um, I think they said McAllen, too. I may be wrong. But basically in the valley, man. So Gulf Coast. Uh, hopefully it does not uh, cause... Uh, the loss of the loss of lives uh, and does not do too much damage. But I'll tell you, for one, I am definitely looking forward to the rain that it's supposed to bring. Man, I can't remember the last time we got rain here in Texas, uh, especially in San Antonio. I think maybe Houston got some before us. You take it off for me. Put it in the cup for me and uh, put a sauce over for me. Yeah, I think Houston probably got more than we got. <clears throat> but it's even dry down there this year. But I am definitely looking forward to that. Hopefully that rain does come in, man, and um, hopefully cool things off. I don't know how cool it could get. Hell, right now we, we happy to get the 90s instead of the triple digits. Um, as most of the western and southwestern region is, I believe the Midwest too. Everybody's feeling this heat, man. So hopefully the rain will come in, man, and cool some stuff down. Hopefully we'll see. Uh, I want to apologize, y'all, for getting a late start. I usually start about 10, but I had to get started a little later this morning. I apologize for that. And we have a special guest that's going to join us in the second hour of um, blog talk, of Bible talk. Coming up, I ain't going to spoil it. I'm going to let him jump in and surprise y'all. But I definitely need his help in dealing with this topic um, about Christ and his passion. So like I said, y'all, I got some news articles I want to get into. And let me see. This one is from PBS.org. And the headlines read... (laughs) Drag is not a crime. These damn letter people, letter people, man, I'm sick of these damn people, man. Every day is something about these people, man, and nobody, well, I ain't going to say nobody. There are far and in-between people that will speak against these damn people, man, because these people have become synonymous it seems with the uh, the nominals. And when I say the nominals, I'm talking about the people that call themselves Jews. That ain't the Jews, but I'm saying that the letter people and the nominals are damn near synonymous with each other because you can't say anything about them. You can't say nothing about the letter people. You can't say nothing about the nominals, the fake Jews. You can't say nothing as soon as you say something about them. I guarantee you less than 24 hours, somebody going to be apologized. (laughs) 
it's going to be a statement of apology issue. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed, man. Anyway, reading on this article, it says drag activists, I'm sorry, drag artists and LGBTQ plus advocates sued to block Texas law expanding ban on sexual performances. So I don't know if y'all knew, I believe back in May it was on the books, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, issued a decree where he was blocking these letter people from uh, reading books to preschoolers, man. And I don't agree with a lot of stuff Greg Abbott be on, especially this damn stuff he got going on the border with his new, uh, what they call that damn thing, Labia? The buoy he got that actually killed a couple of our brothers and sisters down there. And I need to uh, gather more information before I bring that out. But I don't agree with a lot of his politics, a lot of stuff he's doing, man. But I do agree with this, and I've been following this dude sometime on on this particular topic, man. He's been consistent. He has not buzzed on this. And I can respect him for that because it shows that he has integrity, which most people these days don't have. So reading on this article, it says, Austin, Texas, AP, a group of drag performers and LGBTQ plus rights activists have filed a federal lawsuit seeking to block a new Texas law that expands what is considered an illegal public performance of sexual conduct arguing it is meant to target drag shows and could also criminalize ballet and even cheerleading. I don't know how they figure that. I guess, I don't know, man. They just be pulling stuff out of the crack of their tail. It says the lawsuit filed Wednesday in U.S. District Court in Houston by the American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of plaintiffs contends that the law is unconstitutional and threatens the livelihood and free expression of many Texans, including drag performers across our state. Mashaba, as you listening in, man, I know you sent the, uh, I know you sent the, the blog talk information earlier. Did you send the time, though, the new time? Let me see. Let me send it. Hold on for y'all for a second. I'm sorry. And so I don't know if you sent it out to uh, Derek. There it is right there. Okay. Wow, to wow. I'll just send it to y'all. But the time should be 11. Hold on, I'm sending you the one right now. Dude. There we go. All right, y'all. Um, what was I at? It says it seeks to block the. It seems to block the from taking effect September first. This must be a misprint. 
It says the law approved by the Republican-controlled legislature, part of a, a broader effort in Texas and other conservative states to crack down on drag shows and limit LGBTQ rights. Such laws have already run into, run into trouble in other states, including Florida, Tennessee, where judges put drag performers' bans on hold. Like Texas, Arkansas, like yeah, like Texas, Arkansas has a new law regulating adult-oriented performances that doesn't mention drag specifically, but has raised concerns that it would be applied to drag performances. And Montana has a ban in effect that targets drag queen story hour specifically. The new Texas law on sexual content and performances was initially meant to bar children from attending drag shows. It was changed to remove specific references to drag performances, but it broadened the scope of what would be illegal. It would ban real or simulated groping, real or simulated arousal, and the display of a sex toy if done in a prudent manner in front of a, a minority or on public property. I'm sorry, in front of a, of a minor or on public property. And it, in the, and it includes a definition of sexual contact that bars the wearing of accessories or prosthetics that enhance the female or male form in front of a minor or on public property so basically dildos. Dildos and fake vajayjays, I'm guessing, man. This is where we at, though, y'all. So where we're even discussing whether or not children can sit in front of an uh, a, a entertainer that is displaying dildos and speaking explicit things that children have no business hearing to have no business experiencing, man. I remember as a kid when different things, if my parents were watching different shows or whatever, we would have to leave the room. We'd have to leave the room, go to go to our rooms, go outside, go to where we could not hear any of this. This is back in my day. Now, we in my house, we just changed the channel. We changed the channel and we find something safe to watch for the kids. Huh? Until they go to bed. Right. Until, or we wait till they go to bed, and then we'll watch, you know, our shows or whatever, grown-up content. So we still have morals. We still have a moral code. We still have ethics, man, which this place, Babylon, a.k.a. America, they don't have, man. And and they're trying, they're fighting against the people in this place that still have a little bit of morals a little bit of decency that want to shelter their children away from this perverted behavior, and rightly so, man. These damn people is crazy. They were mentally disordered. I never thought we would be discussing stuff like this. It, that seems, it seems like a no-brainer that you wouldn't discuss sexually explicit behavior or preference in front of kids. But this is where we at. And hell, 
this is where we are also to where they're letting kids choose now what particular sex they want to be, man. What particular sex they want to be. This is what I don't read the rest of this, man. Matter of fact, let me look. Let me see. It says violators could face up to a year in jail and businesses hosting performances deemed illegal could be fined ten thousand for each violation. Drag performers say the law is intended to crack down on their art. <sighs> on their art. When is being a punk and a dyke art? How is that an art form? I thought it was a life form. A life form. What the hell is this art? I've witnessed art before. I went to see The Raisin in the Sun. A Raisin in the Sun. Actually, one of my favorite plays. The Water Archive. Archive treated me to this one year. Great play. I forgot where we went. Somewhere in San Antonio. I like the play. I even like the movie. I'm a, I'm a little nerd. I'm a nerd like that sometimes, y'all. Anyway, that's art. Watching um, ballet, that's art. Shout out to Misty Copeland. She's a black ballerina, y'all. Bad. Look her up. Shout out to her. But that's art. Even watching Brothers Hooping, there's an art form to it. That's art. Punks and dykes, reading books about their lifestyle, that ain't art. Portraying their lifestyle theatrically, that's not art. That's a preference. And I'm sick of y'all forcing y'all preference on us normal people. That's why the Bible says this, man. Let's get Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 20. It says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Remember, it says woe. The word woe means destruction. Destruction unto them who call or that call evil good. You're calling this evil, which we know is sodomy. If you're not familiar with the Bible, please go back and read about the five cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed. For what? Sodomy. This is where the word sodomy comes from, y'all. It's biblical when you know. You're calling sodomy something that's good when it's not. It's sinful. It's wicked as hell. It's wrong. But you want the whole world to accept it just because your pea brain, disoriented brain, says that it's right. Once again, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Destruction to these people that think that their way, their way of thinking that's wrong with it, it's right, 
It's wholesome. We all have a right to be what the hell we want to be. We all have a right to suck on who we want to suck on. We have all have a right to get hit with who 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 wants to hit us and how we want to get hit. We have a right. No. Destruction to these people. It says verse 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. When you drink wine, you become intoxicated. So that's what it's saying. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, or woe to them that are mighty to be intoxicated. Intoxicated with what? With their lust. Their lust. And I know we uh we try to separate homosexuality, lust, from just regular lust. But lust in general is sinful, y'all. Lust is very strong. It's all one in the same. There's a spirit of lust. It's not a different spirit for homosexuals. It's not. Because we can lust after a certain food. And you'll have a lust, for for example, for a damn uh, Whataburger with double meat. You'll lust for that. And you'll, your lust will become so excessive that you will start having health problems because this is all you want to eat, and you eat this 24 hours a day. I hope y'all are understanding that lust is not different from homosexual lust. It's the same thing. And lust is very powerful, very strong, will make you do some things that you didn't think that you would do. As a matter of fact, just watched... Um, and I recommend this, y'all. Y'all check this out. The documentary on Netflix. It was a docu-dramalization or whatever they call it now. Uh, it's called Painkiller. Great documentary. It talks about the uh, opioid epidemic and how it affected Esau. But the in the, the uh, dramalization, they had a sister that worked for the FDA, the the Food and Drug Administration. And she's the one that cracked this thing. I, I don't know how true it is, but they had a sister portraying the lady that actually cracked this thing wide open. And doing her research, she compared it to the crack epidemic in the 80s and 90s. And it was dead on. And I'm watching it, and I'm watching these people, uh, these opium addicts, heroin addicts, because that's what uh, Oxycontin is in pill forms, heroin, do all kind of stuff. And they 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 had the storyline of this one Edomite dude, and you can see how he just changed dramatically because of the drug to where it wasn't even about the pain no more. He just lust for it because he was addicted to that feeling. But this brings me back to what I'm saying, man, that lust is just lust across the board, no matter what you're lusting for. And I've seen and witnessed, sadly to say, certain family members who were addicted to crack, and they had that lust for it, and it drove them to do some things that they normally wouldn't do, y'all. So I want us to just be aware of lust in general, not just as it pertains to homosexuality, but that is the topic. So let me finish reading verse 22. It says, Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine, 
and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, which justify the the wicked for reward. And like I've been bringing out, y'all, if you listen to my show or heard me talk about on this topic, and you can go back and do your own research, man. Homosexuality was considered a mental illness. But what happened? They started getting pressure from politicians, from people who held high-ranking positions in power to say, no, it's not a mental illness. So they removed it from the psychiatric board as a mental illness, y'all. But this is what it's talking about, verse 22. It says, woe to them that are mighty, I'm sorry, verse 23, which justify the wicked for reward. So they they made homosexuality not a mental illness because why they got rewarded for it. They would get maybe an elected office, maybe get some grant money, maybe get some investment money. This is how these people deal, man. And because of this, they changed their stance on it and lost their morals. They sold out. It says, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. <laughs> What's the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous? That that's wrong. That is wrong. The word righteous just means what's right. You take away the voice from the righteous people. You silence the righteous people that are telling the whole world that it's wrong, telling you that it's wrong. You silence them. You find them. You cancel them. Cancel culture, right? That's what they do. This is verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devoured the stubble and the flame consumed the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their their uh, blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. So long story short, they're going to get theirs. And despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. And this is what they do, man. Now people are questioning the Most High. Does he exist? Did the Most High make a mistake when he made man and woman, when he made male and female? Now the whole thing is in in question now. All because of what? Their lust. All based off somebody's lust. Lust is a strong thing, y'all. People will go far and beyond to get get their lust, man, to get their lust fulfilled. This is the case with these damn letter people coming out, which leads me to my next article. And this is from CNN, y'all. Neo apologizes for comments about Parents of trans kids. So the singer, Neo, I'm told was on Blast TV and made some more remarks that he had to walk back. Now I was also I also uh was looking at Lord Jamal's podcast. He got a pretty decent podcast. Looking at his podcast, and he was talking about uh, that Neo 
uh, he did walk it back, but then he came and he he uh, issued another statement in which he said he did not apologize and he meant everything that he said. I couldn't find that one. I couldn't find that one. I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying I couldn't find it, y'all. I wish I could have, so I could have read and brought it out. But let me read this. It says, Neo, and this is Neo the singer, y'all, the performer, uh, wrote a lot of hits for a lot of people, and uh, he should be good. He should be good from royalties, and he did some acting, too, a lot of acting. He was in a lot of movies. Uh, So he should be good. So I don't know why he uh, even issued this statement in the first place, man. And I say good in the fact that he can't be canceled, so to speak. Not At least not canceled the way these other entertainers that we know came out and said stuff was canceled. But then again, maybe so, man. This is Esau's kingdom. It says, uh, Neo has apologized for remarks he made about gender identity and parenting trans children. The singer posted a statement on Twitter expressing his regret over some of the things he said during a recent interview with Vlad TV. After much reflection, I like to express my deepest apologies to anyone that that I may have hurt with my comments on parenting and gender identity. The statements read, I've always been an advocate for love and excuse me, inclusive inclusive inclusivity in the LGBTQ community, so I so I understand how my comments could have been interpreted as insensitive or offensive. This is the thing, too, man, and Lord Jamal, he said this on his podcast, and I had to think about it. I said, man, right. For as many people that came on and said something, whether it be about the, the letter people or it was about, uh, I ain't going to say the letter people. Yeah, I am, yeah. The letter people or uh, the nominals, the fake Jews. You notice that we always apologize. When I say we, I'm talking about black people. We are always apologizing for some stuff. And he brought out Jamie Foxx here recently. I don't know if y'all heard about that. But he made a remark about they. They they killed Christ. So, so what you think they're going to do to you? Hashtag fake friends. Something like that. So the they the nominals, the fake Jews automatically jumped on him and started dragging him through the mud, and he immediately, immediately issued an apology. And he said they, though. He didn't call nobody by name. He didn't specifically target them. He didn't put a name on it. He said they. But this is where we are now, to where these people have grabbed possessive pronouns, (laughs) and now they own them. Now they own them, man. But I'm saying how we be apologizing, and like to quote Lord Jamal, you're never going to get an apology from Vlad for the remarks he made about Louis Farrakhan. And I think he made these remarks maybe five years ago. He said some real disturbing stuff about uh, Minister Farrakhan. And he ain't walking back. He ain't apologized. He ain't did nothing. But the minute we, 
black and brown people say something about any anybody they hold um, high or anybody that's got some power, white folks, we automatically have to issue an apology, which goes to show that we are still in a position of servitude. We are still in captivity, y'all. And to even argue with niggas these days on how we are still in captivity is futile at this particular point in time because Stevie Wonder can see we in damn captivity. To sit up and argue with somebody about this is stupid. But this is how sleep our people are. But like it tells us in Isaiah, man, that the most high and put on them the spirit of deep sleep. And it tells us in the New Testament, he that is ignorant, let him still be ignorant, man. So I'm not going to even sit up and argue with your ignorant ass. Excuse my French, y'all. It's just, it's head scratching, it's mind blowing at this point, man. To sit up and try to go back and forth to people and show them that Deuteronomy 28, that's us. All, all throughout the Bible, us Israelites going to captivity, that's us. These are the penalties for our disobedience, that's us. The commandments, that's us. I don't see it. I don't see, I don't know. That's your interpretation. Okay. I'm going to let you hold on to that. Anyway, uh, reading on this article, it says, during the interview, Neo said, I just personally come from an era where a man was a man and a woman was a woman. There was two genders, and that's just how I rocked. End quote. They mad at him for this. I come from an era where a man was a man. What's wrong with that? A man is a damn man. I don't care what pronoun you want to call yourself, what operation you want to have, you're still a dude. You're a damn dude, man. They want everybody else, they want the whole of society to think that we tripping, that we didn't lost our mind. You know, been been talking to somebody, trying to show them where they wrong at, and they just keep denying it, and then you be like scratching your head like, damn, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) They be so resilient and so stubborn to admit that they wrong, you start second-guessing your argument. This is what they doing with this nonsense, y'all. We got a whole lot of scruples, though. Let me read on. He furthermore quotes, you could identify as a goldfish if you like. I don't care. That ain't my business, he added. It becomes my business when you try to make me play the game with you. I'm not going to call you a goldfish. But if you want to be a goldfish, you going to be a goldfish, end quote. He also commented on parents who support their children's identity as a gender that differs from their sex assigned at birth, saying, I feel like parents have almost forgotten what the role of a parent is. Facts. These are big facts. He says, if your little boy comes to you and says, Daddy, I want to be a girl, Dwayne Wade, Neo said, you, and you just let him rock with that? 
If you let this five-year-old boy decide to eat candy all day, he's going to do that, Neil added. When did it become a good idea to let a five-year-old, let a six-year-old, let a 12-year-old make a life-changing decision for themselves? The thing he said was factual, truthful, insightful, intelligent. But they demonized him for saying this. And this goes back to what uh, Dr. Umar was bringing out when he talked about how they're about to usher in pedophilia laws based off of this premise. And he said, if a child is old enough to choose his own sexual orientation, then they're going to say, their argument is going to be a child should be old enough to choose who they want to be sexually in, in uh, sexually <laughs> ran in <laughs> or sexually orientated with. This is going to be their argument. How can people argue with it? Because y'all open the door for this madness. This is where we at, y'all. This is where we at. So they're coming out this Neo, the cancel culture police, and they're smashing and made them issue this this uh, apology. If y'all have proof that he did stand his ground, please shoot that to me. I would love to see it. Um, Let me see where I want to go next. Oh, it brings me to this, man. I don't know if I necessarily have time. Yeah, let's see. No, I really ain't got time for that. Hold on, y'all. Let me take a brief intermission. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, I'm back. So, no, I had some other stuff I wanted to get into, but I don't have time. So let me just go here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Still dealing with this uh, Neo issue and him basically speaking his piece, man. It says, um, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. So he is talking about this fourth beast. And in this chapter, Daniel breaks down four beasts, which are actually four kingdoms. Let me jump over to prove that, verse 17. Daniel 7, verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. 
So these four beasts are kings. So this fourth beast is talked about in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And he shall speak, shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And this is where we are right now, man. They're speaking great words, and great words are saying that what the Most High created was flawed. Because we read in Genesis that the Most High said he made male and female, created, him, created, he, created he them, and blessed them. And he said all his works was good. He said it was good. Everything that the Most High created, go back to Genesis and read, y'all, about the creation. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. He said all the stuff he made was good. So for these people to come back and say, no, I'm not what I was assigned at birth, even the terminology, even that phrase, what you were assigned at birth, this is this is where we at now? Instead of just male, female, oh, this is what I was assigned at birth. You see how demonic these people are, man? See how wicked this is? And our people, like the Scripture said, read it again, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. We're getting worn down, y'all. This place is taking its toll. We in the belly of the beast, man. Really, we are. This is the worst captivity that our people have ever been in. But this last kingdom, it prophesied, said it was going to speak great words against the Most High and wear us out. It says, and think to change times and laws, and the times have changed. The times have changed because we're not saying that a male is a male, a female is a female. We got shims, thems, transformers, we, all these damn pronouns we got now instead of what the Most High had created. But it says, and think to change times and laws. And they have, man. They've changed the times that we're living in to where everything's strange, weird, absurd, and idiotic. And they changed these damn laws to where I don't have to be what I was assigned to be at birth. I can be a fake man or a fake woman. But you have to treat me like I'm a real one. It says, and they shall be given into his hand, <laughs> us, given into the hand of our captives, the hand of these ignorant-ass people. It says, until a time and a time and dividing the times. And we know this to be 350 years, man, according to prophecy of the scriptures. You read, all, you read about this all throughout Revelations, the book of Daniel, they tie in, man. But this is where we are, man, in the belly of this fourth kingdom, experiencing this lewdness, this wickedness, and just basically going through it, y'all. So like I said, y'all, if y'all got any information about uh, Neo's rebuttal, him standing his ground, please send that to me. Send that to me so I can bring it out. All right, y'all, I'm going to transfer over now to the class. But first, I'm going to take a brief. Wait a minute. Here we go. Somebody sent it to me. Damn. 
This is Neo. I hope that I hope they let me see this because the post, the New York Post, always wants you to pay. Mm-hmm. It says Neo reacts apology to parents of trans kids after woke backlash. R&B singer Neo back his apology. Who sent me this? That you, cuz is Mashaba. Mighty Mashaba, the water. Right on time, brother. Right on time. It says, Neo, and this is from the New York, New York Post, y'all. Neo retracts apology to parents of trans kids after woke backlash. R&B singer Neo. Come on. I'm sorry, y'all. It's kind of acting kooky. R&B singer Neo walked back his apology to parents of trans children, claiming that he is entitled to feel feel. You damn right. Man, get a big round of applause for Neo standing on ten toes, man. And this is to all the letter people. Two chops to the throat. Two chops to the damn throat. The soul sick singer, born what is this? Sheffit Sheffer? Chimer Chimery Smith. I know I'm butchering his name, I'm sorry y'all. Posted his reaction on Instagram Monday saying that he does does not apologize for making the remarks on Saturday. He don't. First and foremost, I did not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. <laughs> the rapper said in the video, you know, rapper. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Neo, 43, clarified that the remarks were not intended to offend anyone that he was sorry if they had. However, he said that he was absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. This misindependent crooner claimed that he was asked a question and he responded normally. I have no beef with the LGBTQIA+. They added letters, huh? Community whatsoever. Continue the rapper. Do what you want to do with your kids. Oh, I love it. I lay said, do what you want to do with your damn kids. <laughs> but not mine, nigga. He said, uh, on Saturday, Neo found himself in hot water after criticizing parents who allow kids to make life-changing decisions about their gender. We already read that. But, man, big ups to Neo, man. Big ups, brother, for standing your damn ground, man. Putting the middle finger in the air for cancel culture and all of the wicked-ass people that call evil good and good evil, man. Big ups. Big ups. Big shot. All right, y'all. So, water shopper for that.
Now let's take the, the brief intermission, and we're going to come back with the class entitled Never Wax Pale, Christ and His Passion, Part 2. Be right back, y'all. We are back. All right, so I'm going to continue with the class I started last week, Never Wax Pale, Christ and His Passion, Part 2. So last week uh, we discussed how not just Judas Judas Iscariot um, was wanting Christ to bring the kingdom then and there and for Christ to use his powers to... um, conquer the Roman Empire and to get his people, the Israelites, out of captivity, the, all the disciples had this same point of view. They had the same thing in mind. But Christ telling them that it wasn't time for his kingdom. And let's do a quick review. St. John chapter 18 and verse 33, and it reads, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Thou saying, or sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? So Christ Christ is asking Pontius Pilate, the Roman, who told you this about me? Did other people tell you this? You came with this on your own. Pilate answered, I I am Sorry, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? So he didn't find Christ guilty of anything. Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. This is what Judas Iscariot and the rest of the disciples didn't understand that Christ was not bringing the kingdom now. Christ was not going to overthrow the Roman government like our forefathers did, like Judas Maccabees did. He was not going to do that. But this is what Judas Iscariot and the disciples expected him to do. So Christ is telling Pontius Pilate even, verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. So Christ is telling Pontius Pilate that this is not his kingdom. If it was, he would use his power. He would use his power not to be delivered to the Jews, to us that crucified him. You think if it was Christ's time to, to take over and his kingdom to come, he would allow any of this to happen? And we went over this last week, how Christ was walking on water in the middle of a damn storm, how he shushed the storm, made the storm quit, how he brought people back to life from death, how he made blind people see, he made crippled people walk, he made that woman who had uh, an issue of her administration consistently stop bleeding. He made all of these things happen. So the disciples were looking for him to use that power, that same power, to tap into that power and take over the Romans. But Christ is telling the Romans, because Pilate was a Roman, no, it ain't my kingdom. No, this is not my time. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. So he's like, yeah, I am a king. He said, this is why I was born. But what he's telling him is he was born to be crucified for his people. We can't forget this, y'all. Hold this. Let's get Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1 or verse 21. This is what Shai was telling Pilate. And this is what the disciples didn't understand. So Matthew 1, 21. And she, meaning Christ's mother Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why was he going to be called Jesus? For he shall save. The word Jesus means Savior. This is what Christ was explaining to Pilate. He was born to save his people. That's why his name was named Jesus or Yahawashah. He who saves. Verse 21 again, Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. This is what the angel told Mary to call this child. She didn't name him. The angel of the Most High told her to give this child this name, and the significance of this name was, for he shall save his people from their sins. He who saves. Hope everybody's seeing it. Going back to St. John chapter 18, verse 36. Uh, no, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. <laughs> I hope y'all see this. And for this cause came I unto the world. Matthew 1, 21 again. Why was he born? To save his people from their sins. This is what he's telling Pilate. Pilate has no damn idea what he's talking about, but this is what he's explaining to him, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hear my voice. Now, this is how you know Pilate didn't understand. I'm just reading uh, the top half of 38. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? (laughs) He didn't have a clue what Christ was talking about. But Christ was explaining to him that he was born 
to cleanse his people from their sins. And he established that that was not his kingdom. The Roman kingdom was not his kingdom to overrun and to take over. His time was not yet come. Let's prove this. Let's get Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 9. To this manner, therefore pray ye. So, matter of fact, let me jump up a little bit. Verse 7. It says, but when ye pray, and this is Christ speaking to the disciples, but when ye pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And then, you know, this is something that be running through my mind a lot of times. Now, this don't mean don't pray, y'all, because some people might read this, because I know I, when I read it, I was like, oh, well, we really shouldn't be praying then, huh? or I don't need to pray that often, or I didn't make prayer an important thing, because I'm like, well, the most high know what I need anyway. He's not saying don't pray. He ain't saying that. Yes, the most high knows what you need before you ask him for it, but he still wants you to ask him, because he's still our father. Verse 9, after this matter, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Y'all hear this? <laughs> so he's telling us this we need to pray for. He told the disciples this is what they need to be praying for. Thy kingdom come, meaning whose kingdom? The most highest kingdom. He was telling the disciples, pray that the most highest kingdom comes. He didn't tell them that I'm going to deliver the kingdom that the, my rebellion against the Romans is going to be the beginning of the kingdom. He didn't say that. He's told the disciples to pray for the kingdom to come. Now listen to this. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, the most high's will to be done in earth as it is in heaven would have meant what? That there was no Romans ruling over his chosen people, the Israelites. That's what that would have meant. But Christ is telling his disciples to pray for this. He didn't tell them that he was coming to bring this. He says, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And you see how Christ brought it all back for the disciples to focus on one particular thing, forgiving each other, forgiving each other. Because this is what we lack as Israelites, as a people. We don't forgive each other. We hold grudges, man. We are big on holding grudges, I'm telling you. Some of us take grudges to the, the grave with us. Some of us will not let go of the grudge. And I don't know if y'all knew this, man, but this is what actually this is what actually ages us. When we be holding on to grudges, past experience, bad experiences in our lives, trauma in our lives, when you hold on to this stuff, man, it ages you. It puts a mental strain on you. It actually puts a mental straitjacket on you because you can't do some of these things that you're still holding on to. 
you can't go beyond those boundaries. Christ was trying to get us focused on forgiving each other. Not so much the kingdom of the most high coming. Definitely that. But in order for the kingdom to come, we got to be right. In order for us to be given the kingdom, we have to be right, operating in righteousness, not holding grudges against each other. I'm approving Luke, verse 15. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. See what he was trying to get us to focus on, man? Loving each other. Because remember, in previous verses, he said that the kingdom is within us. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is Christ was not coming at this particular time to bring the kingdom of the most high on earth. Let's get Luke chapter 1 now and verse 76. It says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. So this is talking about John the Baptist, and this is the angel talking to Zacharias, his father, telling him what he was what John the Baptist was going to do. So reading on, verse 77. Now John the Baptist's job was this to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. So this was John the Baptist's job to prepare the way for, uh, for Christ and to give the know-how to the Israelites that they might be forgiven for their sins. All setting up Christ's uh, coming, but not Christ bringing the kingdom. <laughs> it didn't say that he was going to bring the kingdom. It said, matter of fact, let me read it again. Luke chapter 1, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. John the Baptist's job was to pave the way to get the people's mind thinking about changing, thinking about being forgiven. He was given the know-how to salvation, not salvation itself. No different than Christ Christ was given Because it says he's the author of salvation He was given the know-how The knowledge of being saved Not actually us being saved Out of the Roman captivity at this time But because we had to do A very important thing Before we can even be saved We had to change This is what Christ was trying to bring about In us A change Acts chapter 13 and we're going to start at verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hands, beckoned with his hands, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. So Paul was speaking to Israelites. It says, The God of this people, of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. So this is Paul 
given a brief history of our people, of our nation. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he he divided their land to them by lot. You can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, and read on down. That's what he's talking about. Verse 20. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Wow, I didn't know it was that long. So this is talking about actually the book of Judges, y'all. Hope y'all seen this in the New Testament. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So it's talking about Paul, I'm sorry, Saul coming into power. Verse 22, and when he had removed him, so when the Most High removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed, had God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a savior, Jesus. This is consistent with the Bible. We would act crazy, break the Most High's commandments, and the Most High would always send what? A Savior. You can go back. And this is why Paul is breaking down this history. Because the Savior that the Savior that we had back in uh, the book of Judges, actually we had several of them. And Meshava did an excellent series on dealing with this. Gideon was one. Samson was the Savior. He also used uh, Deborah. And uh, I forgot the brother that was with her to save us. This has been consistent with the history of the Israelites. This is what Paul is explaining right now. This is what the disciples knew. This is what all of Israel knew. Paul was talking to the Israelites about our history, about what happened to us throughout the New Testament. I'm sorry, the Old Testament, the Apocrypha, and to the time of Christ in the New Testament. Verse 24, when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Repentance means what? Change. You got to change. This is the same message that John the Baptist was teaching, Christ was teaching. Now, Paul is teaching the exact same thing. We as Israelites have to change. Before we can be saved Verse 25 And as John fulfilled his course He said Whom think ye that I am I am not he But behold there cometh one after me Whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose Verse 26 Men and brethren Children of the stock of Abraham I hope y'all seeing this man Like once again We're reading out of the New Testament But he's referring to Israelites Israelites only. I ain't going to get into the Gentile thing because I got a whole other class, and I'm definitely going to be touching on this in my class on Thursday. But this is the Israelite history as a whole, in a nutshell. It says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you fear God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. What was Israel looking for, y'all? Salvation, 
to be saved out of the Roman captivity during this time. Because this was our history, us to go into captivity, get right back right with the Most High, then the Most High would deliver us. Why weren't we saved out of the Roman captivity? Because we wasn't right. Verse 27, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, who is the him? Christ. We did not accept Christ as the Savior. Nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, <laughs> they have fulfilled them in condemning him. So they wouldn't even believe the scrolls that we have at this time known as the Old Testament, which prophesied of Christ, and I went over this, verse 28. And though they, they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Who are his witnesses unto the people? And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children. I hope everybody's seeing this. In that he had raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. The corruption part is talking about his body actually decomposing. He said on this wise, I will give you the, the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he said, uh, he said also in another Psalms, thou hast not suffered thy holy one to see corruption. Meaning, once again, see his body decomposing and turning back to the dust that was made to him. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. So David, his body actually decomposed. That's the corruption part he's talking about. But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption, meaning what? Christ's body didn't decompose. He was, he was brought back. His spirit was brought back, put in the same body that he was in, and he walked around. Kicked it with the disciples for 40 days His body was not decomposing When he left, according to Acts chapter 1 He left in a cloud Which was also known as a chariot But he was in full form He was in his body Just like who? Just like Enoch Just like uh, Elijah Reading on verse 38 uh, Be it known unto you Therefore men and brethren That through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So once again, y'all, this is only for the Israelites. Secondly, this is the salvation that Christ was bringing. Let's stay at Acts. Let's get Acts. Let's get Acts chapter five, verse twenty-nine, 
and we're going to read to 31. And it reads, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. God, the God of our fathers, raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on the tree. Him had God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. How was he going to be a savior? For to give repentance unto Israel and forgiveness of sins. This, when Christ said he was the savior, when he, he was named savior, he wasn't coming to save the Israelites physically. He was coming to save the Israelites spiritually. We had to change in order to be saved. This was unlike any of the other salvations that we had had. This is why the disciples, including Judas, Judas Iscariot, was looking for Christ to take over, to use his powers and deliver us out of captivity under the Romans. Let's go to Ezra chapter 1 in the Bible. Ezra chapter 1, I'm sorry, not chapter 1, y'all, chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 1. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Now, the reason I'm bringing this out, man, is because this was during the time of the, um, I believe this is when we went back. Yeah, this was during the time of the Persian Mede captivity in which uh, Cyrus, Darius, and me uh, sent us back to rebuild the temple. And this is what happened. We all gathered together as one. We all believed in the Most High. Matter of fact, in this chapter in Nehemiah, we had to put away the foreign wives that we had. For the greater good of what? Our nation as a whole, our society as a whole. This is what Christ was trying to get us to do in the New Testament. We were so divided that a lot of us didn't believe in Christ. And I brought this out. This is why a lot of us was was condemning Christ, even setting them up to be killed. We were not on, on we were not all on one accord. And remember, this is how the most how we saved Israel. We all had to be on one accord. We had to be in the same mind, like it tells us in First Corinthians one and ten, in the same mind and in the same judgment. We were not in the same mind, in the same judgment during the time of the Romans. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man unto the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Once again, all on one accord. If you Psalm chapter 133, we'll start at verse 1. 
Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ornament upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there, <laughs> where? In the unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. The Most High commands the blessing in our unity. Christ was looking for us to unify under him because he knew that only by him could we be forgiven, truly forgiven for our sin. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, is why Christ said this. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, meaning you're going to be destroyed. And what were we during the time of Christ? Divided against ourselves. It says, in every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Christ knew this. He was trying to show us that we were not all in agreement. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? So how are we going to get salvation if all of us had different beliefs during the time of Christ? We weren't unified. The Most High is not going to bless that. It's no different than now, man. You get Israel trying to do separate things. You get certain people trying to do separate things in, in one camp, and nothing, nothing is happening, nothing's coming together. It's not working. Why? Because we all have different directions we're trying to go. We're not unified. No different than a house. No different than a husband and a wife. The same concept. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. <laughs> Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So the Most High said he's going to wash our slate clean. But this is the catch, verse 19. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But this be the problem. <laughs> We're not willing to change. We don't want to be obedient. Not as a whole anyway. You get some that want to do it, others that don't. And the ones that don't, they're holding up progress. Verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. <laughs> this is what be happening. We got some that agree, some that don't agree. No different than during the time of Christ. Now let's get Hebrews chapter 5, and start verse 4. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Christ never put himself on the pedestal. It says, but he that said unto him, thou art my son, 
today have I begotten thee. Verse 6, as he said also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. And this is talking about when Christ was uh, sweating blood and crying in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking if the cup would pass from him. And was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, listen to this, though he was the son of the Most High, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So if Christ is learned obedience through suffering, and we're following Christ, calling ourselves Christians, what must we learn obedience through also? Through suffering. We have to go through these things because they're necessary, because Christ went through them. So reading on, verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. So Christ wasn't coming to bring a temporary salvation from the Romans. He was coming to bring eternal salvation from all nations. It says, unto all them that obey him. (laughs) But what was the catch? You had to obey Christ. You had to obey Yahweh Shai, man. All right, y'all. Let's get into the next phase of the class. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Let me see how much time. Yeah, we got time. I'm going to bring you in in a little bit, too, Mishada. That's our special guest, y'all. You can figure it out. So Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, (laughs) the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Now, the reason I want to bring this out, y'all, is because this is one of the scriptures that Christianity uses to try to justify the Sabbath. So I want to go to uh, SabbathTruth.com. And let's see. I want to go to first. And it reads, how the Sabbath was changed. Matter of fact, oh, let's not go here first. Let's go to, yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. Let me get this other one. Here we go. Amazingdiscoveries.org. This is the one I wanted. Listen to this. Sunday actually made very little headway as a Christian day of rest, time of Constantine in the 4th century. Constantine was an emperor of Rome from 
AD 306 to 337. He was a sun worshiper. Y'all hear this? I'm going to read this again. Constantine in the 4th century. Constantine was an emperor of Rome from AD 307 to 337. He was a sun worshiper. During the first years of his reign, later he professed conversion to Christianity. So you have a pagan that converted over to Christianity. This was Constantine, y'all. But at the heart remained a devoutee of the son. So even though he was going around talking about he was a Christian, he still was devoted to son worship. Edward Gibeon says the son was universally celebrated as the invincible guide and protector of Constantine. Constantine created the earliest Sunday law known to history in A.D. 321. It says this, On the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest, and let all workshops be closed. In the country, however, persons engaging in agricultural might freely and lawfully continue their pursuit because it often happens that another day is not so suitable for grain sowing or for vine planting, lest by neglecting the proper moment for such operations, the bounty of heaven should be lost. So this is when the Sabbath got changed in 321 A.D. by man, by Constantine. The Most High never changed the Sabbath. So for all the listeners that's running up in church on Sunday or they got the TV turned off and they're just chilling on Sunday talking about it's the Lord's Day, this is where y'all got that nonsense from. But the Most High never changed the Sabbath. What do you know? Chambers Encyclopedia says this, unquestionably the first law, ecclesiastical or civil, by which the sabbatical observance observance of that day is known to have been ordained in the edit of Constantine 321 AD. Following this initial legislation, both emperors and popes in succeeding centuries added other laws to strengthen Sunday observance. I hope y'all hear. Let me read this again. Following this initial legislation, both emperor and popes, emperor and pope. So this is talking about what, y'all? The papal worship or Catholicism, the popes. It says both emperors and popes in succeeding centuries added other laws to strengthen Sunday observances. What began as a pagan ordinance ended as a Christian regulation. Read this again. What began as a pagan ordinance 
ended as a Christian regulation. Close on the heels of the Edict of Constantine following the Catholic Church Council of Laodicea. And it says 364 AD. So they had a council in which they changed the Sabbath. This is Christian, not biblical. This is religion, not biblical. It says Christians shall not Judaize and be idle on Saturday, Sabbath, but shall work on that day. But the Lord's day they shall especially honor, and as being Christians, shall, if possible, do no work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, <laughs> this, is what, this is actually the word they use it, Judaizing, which meaning what? Acting as Israelites, acting as Jews, keeping the Sabbath, which is from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. It says they shall be shut out from Christ. I hope y'all are seeing this. This whole Sunday worship crap is man-made. It's not biblical. All right. Let's get uh, this one right here. All right. This is from SabbathTruth.com. The conversion of Constantine. By the time Constantine was established as the emperor of Rome in the early 4th century, there was a decided division in the church as a result of all these factors. I think most of you know that Constantine was the first uh, Constantine was the first so-called Christian emperor of the Roman Empire. The story of his conversion has become very well known to students of ancient history. He was marching forth to fight the battle of Milvinian Bridge when he had some kind of vision and saw a flaming cross in the sky. Underneath the cross were the Latin words meaning, in this sign conquer. So he said he's seeing a cross <laughs> in the sky burning. This, uh, this to me... This sounds like the KKK, but this was his vision. Underneath the cross were the Latin words meaning, and this sign conquer. Constantine took this as an omen that he should be a Christian and his army as well. He declared all his pagan soldiers to be Christian. Remember, what kind of soldiers were they? Pagans. And became very zealous to build up the power and prestige of the church. Through his influence, great blocks of pagans were taken into Christian ranks, but friends that were still pagan at heart, and they brought in much of the chiropanelia of sun worship to which they continued to be devout. We mentioned in a previous broadcast about the adoption of Christmas and Easter into the church, at the same time, many other customs were Christianized and appropriated into the practice of the church as well. I hope, I hope y'all are hearing this. Religion, Catholicism, Christian, Christendom, 
is pagan. Religion is pagan. Sun worship. You see, at that time, the cult of Mishraim, or sun worships, sun worship, was the official religion of the Roman Empire. It stood as the greatest competitor to the new Christian religion. It had its own own, uh, organizations, temples, priesthoods, robes, everything. It also had an official worship day on which special homage was given to the sun. What day would that be? Sunday. That was called the the Venerable Day of the Sun. It was the first day of the week, and from it we get our name Sunday. Hope everybody's seeing this. Now let's go to what I do with it. Let's go to the two Babylons, y'all. I brought this book out on many occasions. So we're going to go to the Two Babylons page. And this book is by Reverend Alexander Hislop, The Two Babylons, The Papal Worship, uh, proved to be the worship of Nimrod and his wife. So this is going into paganism, y'all. And this author points out where these things came from, the origin of these things. All right, let's get this. Let's go to page 103. Then look at Easter. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. And the reason I'm going into Easter, y'all, is because when we read in Mark chapter 16, (coughs) uh, let me read it again, Mark 16 and 1, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and uh, Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And and early, I'm sorry, and very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. So this is where they get their whole little spiel about Easter from. Christ supposedly died on a Friday, rose on a Sunday, Matter of fact, that Friday being what's known, what they call Good Friday. I don't know what the hell is good about a man being beat to a bloody piece of meat and being crucified. I don't know what's good about that. They call that Good Friday, and then they call that Sunday when he supposedly rose, Easter. So this is why I'm going into Easter. This is where all this mess comes from. This is why I brought the scripture out. I went into these articles, and now I'm in... Uh, the two Babylons, page 103. Then look at Easter. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. Meaning what? It has nothing to do with Christ. When they're using the word Christian here, they're talking about a biblical Christian, which means to be a follower of Christ, not the religion. There is a difference. It bears its Chaldean origin. The Chaldees are who? The Babylonians are. On its very forehead. Easter is nothing else than Ashtoreth, one of the titles of Beltis, the Queen of Heaven, whose name, as pronounced by the people of Nineveh, was 
evidently identical with that now in common use in this country. That name, as found by Lord on the Assyrian monuments, so we see Ashtoreth or Astarte and Ishtar the same. It says the worship of Baal and Astarte was very early introduced into Britain along with Druids, the priests of the groves. Some have imagined that the Druidical worship was first introduced by the Phoenicians, who centuries before the Christian era traded to the to the tin mines of Cornwalls. But the unequivocal traces of that worship are found in regions of the British Islands, where the Phoenicians never penetrated, and it was everywhere left ineligible marks of the stronghold which it must have had on the early British mind. All right, now let me jump. Let me jump to page 104. It says, The festival of which we read in church history under the name of Easter in the 3rd and 4th centuries was quite a different festival from that now observed in the Roman, the Romish church. And at that time was known was not known by any such name as Easter. It was called Pesha, or the Passover. I hope y'all are hearing this. Because when you see the when you see Easter in the Bible, and I believe it's only mentioned twice, the literal translation for it is Passover. It says and though not and though not of apocalyptic institution was very early observed by many professing Christians in commemoration of the death and resurrection of Christ. But we know that ain't what Passover was about. It says that festival agreed originally with the time of the Jewish Passover, when Christ was crucified, a period with which in the days of Tertullian at the end of the second century was believed to have been the 23rd of March, that festival was not idolatrous, and it was present, presented, I'm sorry, preceded by no Lent. So the Lent that they have, <laughs> Lent day, where you give up something for 40 days, has nothing to do with the Bible. It ought to be known, said Cassius, the monk of Marcellus, written in the 5th century and contrasting the primitive church with the church in his day that the observer, that the observance of the 40 days had no existence so long as the perfection church remained inviolate. Whence then came this observation? The 40 days abstinence of Lent was directly borrowed from the worshipers of the Babylonian goddess. For all y'all running around talking about y'all celebrating Lent, he y'all the reason ain't no damn fish in the grocery store. <laughs> Such a Lent of 40 days in the spring of the year is still absurd 
by the Yizdi, the Yizdi dish or pagan devil worshippers of Kurdistan, who have inherited from their early masters, the Babylonians. Such a Lent of 40 days was held in the spring by the pagan Mexicans, our people, and our people were pagans as well, for thus we read in Humboldt where he gives account of Mexican observations or observances. Three days after the vernal equinox began a solemn fast for 40 days in honor of the sun. Such a length of 40 days was observed in Egypt as may be seen on consulting uh, Wilkerson's Egyptians. So this is where they get all this madness from, y'all. It's pagan. Now we're going to jump to page 108, same book. Chaldean writes, just as they do now, the buns, known too by that identical name, were used in the worship of the Queen of Heaven, the goddess Easter. As early as the days of Siparopes, the founder of Athens, that is 15 years before the Christian era. So, I'm sorry, 1,500 years before the Christian era, which means 1,500 years before Christ, they would celebrate Easter. So how the hell is Mark chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 synonymous with Easter? It has nothing to do with Easter, but religion would tell you it does. It says one species of scared bread or sacred bread, says Britain, I'm sorry, Bryant, which used to be offered to the gods, was of great antiquity and called bond. Deogis Latrias, speaking of this offering being made by M.P. Decles, describes the chief ingredients of which it was composed, saying, he offered one of the sacred cakes called Bond, which was made of fine flour and honey. The prophet Jeremiah takes notice of this kind of offering when he says, the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women need their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. Now, y'all can find this in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 18. This is what he's quoting. It says, to make cakes to the queen of heaven, the hot cross buns are not now offered but eaten on the festival of Astarte. Astarte, Easter, all the same. Queen of heaven, all the same. This is the fertility goddess. The Starbucks lady, I'll still see her on the signs. It says, but this leaves no doubt as to whence they have been derived. The origin of the posh eggs is just as clear. The ancient Judas born an egg as the sacred emblem of their order. So this is where the Easter egg comes from. It's pagan. It says, in the Dionysico and Mysteries of of Bacchus, as celebrated in Athens, one part of the nocturnal ceremony consisted in the concentration of an egg 
the Hindu fables celebrate their mundane egg as of a golden color. So they actually painted these eggs. They painted them gold. So this is where you get the painted damn Easter eggs from. The people of Japan make their sacred egg to have been brazen. So going through all these cultures, showing that all these cultures have these damn eggs. In China, dyed or painted eggs are used on sacred festivals, even as in this country. In ancient times, eggs were used in the religious rites of the Egyptians and the Greeks and were hung up for mystic purposes in their temples. From Egypt, these sacred eggs can be distinctly traced to the banks of the Euphrates. The classic poets are full of the fable of the mystic egg of the Babylonians, and thus its tale is told by Hygienius, the Egyptian, the learned keeper of the Palestine Library at Rome. In the time of Augustus, skilled in all the wisdom of his native country, an egg of wondrous size is said to have fallen from heaven into the river Euphrates. Listen to this nonsense, man. The fishes rolled it to the bank where the doves, having settled upon it and hatched it, out came Venus. Y'all listen to this. Out came Venus. Now, Venus is a Astarte, Semiramis, um, Easter, same person, same deity. This is a fertility goddess who afterwards was called the Syrian goddess, that is, Astarte. Hence, the egg became one of the symbols of Astarte or Easter. And accordingly, in Cyprus, one of the chosen seats of the worship of Venus or Astarte, <laughs> the egg of wondrous size was represented on a grand scale. I hope everybody is hearing this. The occult meaning of this mystic egg of, of Astarte is one of its aspects, for it had a twofold significance, had reference to the ark during the time of the flood. See how they're bringing in the, the Bible with this paganism? In which the whole human race were shut up as the chick is enclosed in the egg before it is hatched. If any be inclined to ask, how could it ever enter the minds of men to employ such an extraordinary symbol for such a purpose? The answer is the sacred egg of paganism. So you ask, man, how do you come up with this nonsense? It's paganism. Paganism does not make sense. <laughs> Listen to the stories that they give in paganism, in, in pagan, the occult. None of the stories make sense, man. They're so damn mystical and out of this world. It says, as already indicated, page 108, it's well known as the Mudane egg, that is, the egg in which the world was shut up. Now, the word, 
has two distinct meanings. It means either the material earth or the inhabitants of the earth. The later meaning of the term is seen in Genesis chapter 11. The whole earth was a one language and one speech, where the meaning is that the whole people of the world were so. All right, y'all. <laughs> I hope y'all understanding this, man. This paganism nonsense goes very, very deep. Now, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's see if the Most High actually changed the Sabbath. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 6, y'all. Messiah, brother, don't look like I'm going to get to you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 and it reads For I am the Lord I change not Therefore ye sons of Jacob Are not consumed So does the most high change his mind Did he change his mind about the Sabbath No he did not change his mind The Sabbath Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 man. Let's see when the Sabbath is When does it start Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. And on the seventh day, God entered his work, which he met, which He had made. So the seventh day is the Sabbath. It says, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. The seventh day, also known as the what? The Sabbath, the sabbatical, the day of rest. And we know that Sunday is the first day of the week, <laughs> not the seventh day of the week. But Saturday is, in fact, the seventh day of the week. I hope everybody is getting this, everybody's understanding this, man. So did the Most High change the Sabbath? No, he did not. Let's get Exodus 20 and 8. And we just read from Genesis, and the Most High established the Sabbath. But let's look at how the Most High kept the Sabbath going. So Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He didn't say change the Sabbath day. He didn't say um, you could do it at your leisure. He said, remember the Sabbath day, man. Now let's get Christ, man. Let's get your house shy. Let's get back to chapter 12, verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath day. I hope everybody is understanding this. 
Christ kept the Sabbath. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught that he is talking about Christ. Why would Christ be going to the synagogue to teach on the Sabbath day? Because this is what the Most High told us to do, informed us to do, to keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Hope everybody is seeing this. Remember, this is what the the Pharisees and the the Sadducees were always beefing with Christ Christ over anyway, him doing stuff on the Sabbath day. Why was they beefing with him? Because they knew the Sabbath, according to the book of Moses, to be the day of rest. I hope everybody's getting this. Everybody's understanding this. Uh, let's get, matter of fact, let's go back to uh, Mark chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath day was passed, Mary Magdala, Mary Magdala and Mary the mother of James. Now it says when the Sabbath day was passed. So Sabbath was, was gone. And we know the Sabbath day to be what? On Saturday. So Sabbath starts Friday evening, and it lasts to Saturday evening. So this is on Saturday. Read it again, verse Mark 16, 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Solome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, which is what? Sunday, not Saturday. And we already established that the Sabbath had passed in the previous verse. So we know that the Sabbath, which Yahweh Shah, that Christ was keeping, was still on Saturday. Friday sunset, Saturday sunset, Sunday being the first day of the week, a whole nother day. So religion teaches us that the Sabbath is on Sunday, but that's con- contrary to what the Bible teaches and contrary to what the Sabbath actually is, y'all. So I, this is a good stopping place, y'all. I hope everybody got some understanding out of this class, um, got some edification at the Waterman Shop for hooking up the broadcast. But I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get to you. Um, less... Let's make it a date, man, for next Tuesday for you to come on when I go back into this and we can uh, break them days down. Um, the water for everybody tuning in. Uh, the water to, for everybody y'all support, supporting Blog Talk Radio, man. And until next Tuesday, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Talk Apart Tuesday. Talk Apart. Talk Apart. Every Tuesday. With that, y'all, we're going to say shalom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.